is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 52, One of Us is Always Wrong, recorded on November 29th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, I've gotten far enough from the World Series to be over the worst of the pain and find myself missing baseball uh, after three weeks of wanting nothing to do with it. So I guess I'm doing all right. We know that expression that you'd rather feel pain than nothing. It's a really crappy song lyric too, but I feel nothing now because there's just nothing going on. There was a trade apparently a couple minutes ago, but this is the worst time of the hot stove season. And even, especially with the lockout potentially coming, there is nothing going on. Even by Indian standards, they're usually pretty tight-lipped. Yeah. No rumors, no nothing. So because we have essentially nothing to cover, we're going to just go straight back to the 2016 predictions, which we did in March. Uh, it was one of our very first podcasts together, actually. It was our fifth one. Uh overall episode like 25 or 26 if you want to go back and listen to listen to us be wrong in real time basically um i noticed listening to it just overall before we get into the specifics neither of us were all that optimistic we were to a point where we knew there was no reason to freak out but i don't get the feeling listening to us that either of us thought the indians would go as far as they did which i don't think a lot of people did well and for me optimism is all relative if i thought the indians were going to have a winning record that counts as optimistic for me Yes, anything with other than anything with Carlos Santana. For you, if it's even relatively good, I consider that you're just beaming as optimism at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the very first thing, it was not really a prediction, but kind of something we both mentioned. At the time, we were hoping that the Indians would get to play their first game. Nope, <laughs> they didn't. That got snowed out or rained out, um, which happened a bunch in the first month of the season. But that was the very first, not really a prediction, but thing we kind of predicted we were wrong, so... We got right off on the wrong foot. <laughs> but our actual predictions. So first, uh, we had, will Michael Brantley start on opening day? You said no as the smart answer. Although you said mid-April he might be back. And I stupidly and optimistically said yes. And of course, we were both <laughs> wrong in a way. You were slightly closer to right and I was all the way wrong. <laughs> it's, it was a binary question. It was yes or no. I but you added to it, so I'm going to count you as partially wrong. You could have just said no. And then not said anything else. So I'm going to blame you on that one. <laughs> Wait, I said he'd be back in mid-April. He was back in April. Oh, was he? I thought he was later than that. No, I mean, it, we can quibble over when in April is mid-April, but he was back in April. If he was not back on exactly April 14th, I'm not counting it. It doesn't count. 15th or 14th, whatever. Either way, yeah, you were technically right, I guess. And I was way off. <laughs> were we wrong to even think he'd be back that soon? Do you think? Looking yeah, at the whole I never season. Thought he'd be back. I mean, again, you're lumping us together. I never <laughs> thought he'd be back for a week. You were like day. 15 days later than I was. You're still yeah. right. I'll give you that. But we well, both we thought he'd be back. This like a week before, like <laughs> close to opening day. It wasn't like we were predicting last August whether he'd be back for opening day and we were two weeks apart. You were like, he'll be back a week from now. And I was like, he'll be back three weeks from now. That's a significant difference. <laughs> it's not really. Really? <laughs> okay, so I was wrong and you were rightish. But do you think we're were you rightisher than you than you thought you were? Because the only thing reason for a while we were laughing at Peter Gammon saying he'd be back by like mid August, but that's pretty much what it turned out to be. And we've talked about that a lot already. But yeah, <laughs> he wasn't back on opening day. I was way wrong on that one. 
Well, I certainly would have taken the over on 43 plate appearances for Michael Brantley. So I'll grant you I was wrong on that part of it. So the next one, kind of in addition to it, is kind of depressing now. Will Michael Brantley have a double-digit walk rate again in 2016? He's um, not qualified for any – he's not a qualified batter or anything, and no, he didn't. Your answer was yes because Carlos Santana would rub off on him. <laughs> That's a choking answer, obviously. But the, the main thing was that he – last season he barely got over the double-digit threshold. Because he's never been a great walker, we didn't. We weren't sure if he would again. I somehow avoided the question. I never ended up answering it. Uh, Someone give that a point for me, so I was right on that yeah. one. Interesting system you've got here for scoring. <laughs> now, so far, it's what is it? Uh, so it would be o two for me and one one for you. I'm not going to keep score, but you know what I mean. But yeah, that kind of goes along with the same one. He wasn't back. He didn't have a double digit walk rate. It was all kinds of sad. Uh, so the next one, who will lead the Indians in home runs and how many? Do you remember what you said at all, or what you think? I don't remember what I said. Well, the very first thing you said was that no one hits 30. That was your big grand statement at the beginning. That was wrong (laughs) twice. (laughs) You you did say Mike Napoli with 23. So the number wasn't right, but you had Mike Napoli. See, like I said, optimism for me is a a relative thing. (laughs) That was extremely optimistic for you, I think. Even picking him over Santana. At least I, the real Carlos Santana fan, picked him at 23 or 24 home runs. <laughs> right, I think we each get a half point there. We each had one of the guys who tied for the lead, even though our totals were woefully low. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't think picking the home run leader was all that hard in, in reality. Because, I mean, it was going to be Napoli or Santana. Who else would it possibly be? Well, lots of Indians fans would have told you Santana sucks and Napoli's going to get hurt and would have expected it to be Lonnie Chisenhall with six home runs. <laughs> That'd be the top Indians home run hitter. <laughs> uh, the next one: How many innings will Joba Chamberlain pitch in an Indians uniform? Uh, I said a couple if he doesn't get cut in spring training, and you said an emphatic zero. Yes, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, he, he pitched. He didn't do anything to make me hate him more while he pitched. So I think that was a victory for for him and for you. He did pitch a couple, so it really wasn't much. So I'm still technically right on that one, I think. Um, I know you so desperately wanted to be right on that one because you're not a huge fan of Joba Chamberlain. He didn't do enough to erase my main memory of him, which is the bug game. So I'm fine with what he did. He seemed like a likable guy in the Indians, but I can still remember him as a villain, which is how I'd prefer to. Well, the bug game wasn't the problem, was it? It was what he said afterwards. Well, it was that whole series. Just a whole painful series to remember. Remember back in the good old days when that was the painful series to remember? No, that wasn't a painful <laughs> series. The Indians won that series. Oh, yeah, that's right. What am and I thinking? Then the ALCS after that was right. an incredibly painful that series. That season was the bad one to remember, which is nothing <laughs> compared to that. A game series. That was a happy ending. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say we were both. Well, you were wrong. I was technically right, but I think you pitched more than a couple, but it was close. Uh, the next one. Was which player currently on the forty-man roster will be gone by the deadline, even by either by trade or just demotion or whatever? We both thought somebody would be traded. You uh, said Eric Gonzalez, which was probably not a terrible idea, but he just didn't have a whole lot of trade value, I guess, by the deadline. Yeah. As much yes, as we exactly. thought, exactly. I was overly optimistic in the idea that someone would want to trade something for him. And mine just sounds completely insane now, but it was Jose Ramirez, Josh Tomlin, or Cody Allen. One of those three. Because I figured they were close. Desperate effort to derail the postseason run. 
Yeah, like the three three of the most important people in the postseason. I was ready to deal at the deadline. <laughs> I thought if they were close, they could have dealt Ramirez for something. Uh, or if they weren't, if they're out of it completely, maybe Ramirez would have got enough trade value to get some prospects back. And if they were close, I thought they could deal Tomlin for prospects. And if it turned out that Sean Armstrong was really good and the rest of the bullpen was good, they could trade Cody Allen for a bat or something. But I was way off. <laughs> Both of us were because nobody on the 40-man was traded. Was anybody removed? I don't even think so. Uh, sure well, I point. mean, like bullpen. I don't know exactly what the 40-man roster was at the time we recorded the podcast. Joba Chamberlain did not survive to the trade deadline on the roster. That's true. I don't think I don't think he was on it at that point. That was pretty late in spring training, though. I don't know. I think they they stayed with a pretty consistent roster, other than like the ones they had to make to get Andrew Miller on the roster and all that kind of stuff. But Marlon Bird, Juan Uribe, there we go. There's two. Um, yeah, that's about it, I think. So the next one, which top prospect will debut first other than Naquin? We both said Mike Clevenger, and we were right. <laughs> that one wasn't very hard because nobody else is really all that close. Hey, I'll take the easy ones. I'm not going to turn up my nose at a layup. <laughs> and the next one, how many wins will the Indians finish with in 2016? I said 89, and you, still not sure if you're really an Indians fan, said 85. Didn't believe in this team, Jason. Like I said, winning record for me counts as optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I said as high as 91, but you made me stick to one number, so I went 89 to be a little on the lower end. Yeah, I think we were both to the low end of your range. <laughs> I think before getting Andrew Miller and all that, eighty-five to eighty-nine is perfectly reasonable to think for him to get. You were um, you were closer on that one. That's yeah. of the two of us, you did better there. I think that was worth double points, so I get two points for that one. All right, you're going to need those points, I'm sure. So I'll <laughs> give it to you. I believe I am at thirty right now, and you're at six or seven. One of the two, <laughs> and finally. The one I was so close on that you laughed at me for, but I was so close to being right. I said, give one outlandish prediction. Mine was that Roberto Perez would have more plate appearances than Jan Gomes. This close. Really close to it. But no, even with the injuries and not being good, Jan Gomes still had more plate appearances. And your outlandish prediction was that Gomes would hit or would lead the Indians in home runs with 27. You went (laughs) full-blown outlandish. (laughs) You took that word and you ran with it. Yeah. I'm not going to half-ass my outlandish <laughs> predictions. I'm going to go so outlandish as to cancel out my prediction earlier about who is going to lead the team in home runs by going with an even <laughs> higher total than that. So you, you literally made it so you couldn't have a perfect – there's no way you could have got every prediction right. Exactly. That, that took the pressure off right there. I don't want to be thinking mentally about my perfect game of predictions going into the season. <laughs> you don't want to be 18-0 going into the Super Bowl, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, that was all. Um, hit nine home runs in like 264 plate appearances. So if he had just gotten like 800 plate appearances, he might have hit 27 home runs. It's simple math. I mean, he almost had it. He was right there. <laughs> nine home so runs big- for a guy with a 201 on base percentage. I, you know, the 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 power wasn't his problem this year. I'll say that for him. <laughs> everything else was his problem, but literally everything else. He did have that one great at bat when he came back. And the first thing he saw was hit a home run. That was fun. And then nothing. <laughs> I don't even remember any of his home runs. He was he just hit so roughly kind of like, half of his home runs in the 48 hours after I wrote articles talking about how he looked terrible. 
I think the real problem was I stopped writing articles about how terrible he looked. <laughs> was that the last big example of the Luke Hart curse? Which for anyone who doesn't know, it's that whenever you write anything, because I wrote two of them, and he hit like he homered in each of like in the first game after each of those articles, and, and homered like the day after one of those too. So he hit like three home runs in the first thirty-six hours or so after those articles. Yeah, that 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 was a Luke Hart curse all the way. You need to write more about how bad Jan Gomes is. Maybe about how bad Roberto Perez is. And actually, I think at one point you wrote that Roberto Perez should be the starting catcher, and then he got injured shortly after. Or was it the other way? My, my powers are especially strong <laughs> with the catchers. <laughs> we, we're starting to narrow it down, and maybe we can harness it when we get it strong enough. So any other general thoughts on our... These weren't really like standing prediction or anything like that. These are just random events that could happen kind of predictions. Any thoughts on those that we had? I think that's the way to do predictions. Just off the cuff about random occurrences. Uh, no one's going to give us any sort of prize if we'd been right on all of them. So I stand by my incredibly stupid Jan Gomes prediction. <laughs> I would have given you a prize if you managed to get all of those right, even with contradicting answers. I don't know how it would happen, but if you found a way, I would find a way to give you. I guess, like, what if Jan Gomes hit 27 home runs but he got traded, and so he didn't hit all 27 of them with the Indians. I think technically I could have been right on both predictions in that scenario. Well, no, because you, you said he leads the Indians in home runs with 27. Did I specifically say that, or did I just say he hits 27 home runs? No, you said he leads the Indians, so you really screwed yourself over. All right, so yeah, there's no way I could have done it. <laughs> uh, so the next little predictions we did. That was in the next episode. Uh, this one was in 26. This one was a week right before spring training. Um, and this, we wanted to do just a quick rundown of like world series picks, division picks. Um, so first AL central, which is pretty self-explanatory. I think uh, you had the Royals first, mainly saying that you thought they would do like they did the year before and just say, screw the projections. Cause if you remember, um, in 2015 and 2014, or no, 2016 and 2015, all the projection systems had them being not very good, but they managed to be good. And then this year they did the same thing, and they just happened to not be good. So for once, the projections were right. I didn't actually right. think they were that good. I was just tired of underestimating right. and being wrong about them. I think what we will find is I don't like any of the teams I predicted to win the division, probably. <laughs> and then you had the Indians, and you said right ahead of the, or they're right ahead of the Tigers in three, and then White Sox and Twins. Four and five. At that point, we were still making Drake LaRoche jokes, which, because they lost their clubhouse leader. I guess that's all gone now, sadly. It was a simpler time. Um, <laughs> and I had the Indians winning with the high 80s, low 90s wins, and the Royals in second. And then I thought there'd be a far drop off between the Royals and Tigers. Uh, I guess I sort of nailed the Tigers falling off thing, but I had them falling off way farther than they actually did. I had the Tigers, Tigers at three, and then White Sox and Twins right before, right behind them. Yeah, how do you think we did on those? Uh, fair. I mean, my <laughs> fear of predicting anything good for the Indians kept me from being anywhere close to their total. Uh, you know, the Royals and Tigers weren't terribly far apart. The Twins were, as they almost had to be, the worst team in the division. So that was sort of a, a gimme. Uh, could have done better, could have done worse. I feel like it, we we mixed up the first three, but I don't know if anybody could get the last two wrong. Because <laughs> at first it seemed like the White Sox were good because they were like 
what were they in the first handful of games? Like 23 and just a couple losses, but yeah, I mean, they had the best record in the American league, like through April, at least I think. Yeah. And this was also the episode where, um, we said the white Sox were kind of like the Padres where they were going to have a bunch of free agent signings and then do nothing with them. And we also said the Orioles would be really bad and we laughed about it. And it was the episode that, um, on Twitter, every time the Orioles did anything, if they won a game, hit a home run, somebody walked, whatever, a bunch of Orioles fans would quote it and say, oh, you were wrong. Look how good they are. They didn't do that after the ALDS, or the, the wild card. No, but to you be fair, neither of us thought the Orioles were winning 89 games. I'm, I'm willing no. to say I was wrong about the Orioles this year. I'm willing to say you were wrong, too. No, I was <laughs> wrong, too. We both thought they were going to be really bad. Um, do you remember who you picked in the AL West? Uh, Houston? Yep. You had the uh, Astros, I had the Mariners. I still don't feel terrible about that pick. I think the Mariners are going to be good. It's got to happen eventually, right? <laughs> they just yeah, traded I mean, the for Gene Both had a better run differential than the Rangers. I mean, you know, the Rangers, they won the division. That, that's that. But I don't think the Rangers were a distinctly better team than Seattle or Houston. Yeah, it was kind of noted before that the Rangers won a lot of one-run late inning games, which usually amount to just luck. And <laughs> if the postseason was any ind- indication, it was kind of a lot of luck when they got swept by the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, to win 95 games with a run differential of only plus eight. Yeah, uh, there's there something were, going on there. There's some good stuff happening there, too. But, yeah, there's some luck happening as well. Yep. Uh, in the AL East, I had the Red Sox narrowly over the Yankees, and you had the Blue Jays. So who did win so, that one? That was the Red Sox. Or wait, you yeah, that was the Red Sox one. The, the Blue Jays advanced, but uh, yeah, the, the Red Sox won the division. So you you were right on that one. There but is. Um, both of us had good teams there. The, uh, yeah. And the good thing is the Yankees were not in the postseason. That's really the, the biggest win out of the AL East. It's crazy. There's the Red Sox, and we'll talk about another team we both predicted soon. But I don't remember being hyped about the Red Sox at all. I guess it was because their pitching staff and their offense didn't look that good, but it's crazy with how good they were in the regular season that nobody really bought into them, I don't think. I think, just I, some people bought it. I, just, I think the entire American League just felt really wide open going into this year. I saw people picking Boston, people picking Toronto, people picking New York, people picking Cleveland, picking Detroit, picking Kansas City, picking Texas, picking Houston, picking Seattle. I just I don't I think it felt like there wasn't an awesome team in the league, and there were a number of you know potentially good teams. So I I think the 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 National League was sort of a every division only had one or two teams people could really fathom winning it. Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't think there were any really awesome teams because I, I just barely had the Red Sox over the Yankees. I didn't. I think yeah, you had the Yankees in the wild card. Oh, we can do those now. You had. Who did you have in the wild card? Oh, you had the Yankees and Red Sox. So you had the AL East getting all three spots. Which they did. I just had <laughs> the, the wrong Yankees team. instead of Baltimore. Because you're clearly an Orioles hater, and that's all. <laughs> I think your biggest argument against the Orioles was that they had Ubaldo Jimenez starting. <laughs> well, I think it was... Orioles too, I mean, granted, I already said I'm, I'm willing to admit I was wrong. Their run differential wasn't any good either. So, yeah. I mean, like... They had a ton of home runs. They stayed healthier than I expected. Uh, and, you know, hats off to them on winning 89 games. But I think when you look at who the best teams in the American League were, it was the Indians, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. Like, 
And, you know, and that's what we saw in the postseason. Yeah. And just to double down on Orioles fans hating us, I don't think not believing in them was a terrible choice <laughs> before the season anyway. A team that strikes out a ton, they have a bad pitching staff, and they might hit a lot of home runs. It just happened that they did hit all the home runs. Yeah, and that they Zach Britton was fantastic at the back right. of the bullpen. You know, an average closer that's three or four extra games, they probably wouldn't have won on blown saves. So, you know, they made the wild card. I don't feel terrible about having expected them to be crummy. Yeah, I don't either. It just, it's kind of thing where, like, a, when a decision pans out, if it was wrong, it doesn't mean it was right the other way around. And I don't know where I'm going with that. All either right, way, I'm the I still don't think we, we should have there. National League. Um, National League West. I had the Dodgers. Uh, I thought that was pretty obvious. I don't know why I didn't think the Giants were going to be competitive at all. I wasn't thinking of them in the slightest. Um, you had the Dodgers, too, but you thought it would be closer with the Giants. We were both, right? Why could I not right. remember? Yeah. The Giants were good, so I'm going to say I was more right on that one. And you did have the Giants in the wild cards. You got that one, too. We'll get to those in a minute. But, but yes, you were right on that. I was I was wrong that they wouldn't be good. Um, I think the Dodgers were a pretty easy easy pick in that division, though. Even without Granky, he was gone. Still have Kershaw on that offense, and they weren't the easiest pick in the NL, though. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Now the easiest pick you had in the Central, you had the Cubs. Which I mean, who wasn't going to pick the Cubs? I had the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they uh, only finished seventeen and a half games back. <laughs> that's close. Yeah, hey, if you close. can count Jan Gomes' home runs as close, I'm going to count that as close. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that should have been the easy pick. I was trying to be hip and trendy and pick the Cardinals, and it backfired terribly. <laughs> All right. I forgive you. Good. So, NL East? So yeah. this one, um, it seems weird hearing us now that, I guess it does kind of make sense, but there was an overwhelming feeling that the Mets... Most people are going to pick the Mets. We both picked the Nationals thinking we were doing the trendy picks that nobody else would do, but then the Nationals won the division. <laughs> so it was weird how little... I mean, looking back at it now, they do have a ton of talent. I don't know why we didn't buy into them more, but... I mean, we did. I don't know why there wasn't more overall hype about the Nationals. It was all about the Mets. Obviously, they were coming out the World Series appearance, but I don't know a ton of people believed in the Nationals, but we both did more as a, this is going to be my upset pick kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Mets were a good team. Um, but, yeah, just looking at their roster, you know, it felt like they played well in the postseason. And I think their pitching staff was really appealing to a lot of people. Uh, and that led people to overlook the fact that their offense didn't have much going for it. And sure enough, you know, when the season got underway, their pitching was really good. Uh, although they eventually ran into some health problems. But the offense wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, I think if no one knew about the 2015 season and just looked at the rosters coming into this spring, I think most people would have picked the Nationals, but they were swayed by what happened last October. I wonder how much it's going to happen this year, too, with the, with the Indians, obviously. I, I think you'd still want to pick the Indians because they're going to have all the healthy players coming back, like Brantley and Salazar and Carrasco. It's like they're acquiring all these players. I just hope the same thing doesn't happen what happened to the Mets. Which yeah, that and I think, that, you know, again, the Mets were legitimately a good team. I think the Nationals were looked better coming into this season than anyone else in the AL Central is probably going to look going into next season, unless the Tigers don't sell anyone and somehow find a way to add another, you know, big player or something. 
I think anyone who didn't know what happened this year going into next spring could look at the rosters and feel like the Indians were the best team. We'll see. We'll find out what people are picking in, in, in a few months. We've got to wait a while. Yeah, and we'll do the same thing, and then we'll do this and laugh at how wrong we were again. <laughs> and so then who are – so I had the Giants. Who are our other wild card yep. picks in the National League? Uh, you had the Mets and Giants. I had the Cubs and Mets. So pretty much the same, but I had the Cubs as a wild card instead of winning the division. And you well, had the Mets. That's me. I had all three division winners and both wild card teams. I really nailed the National League, making up for my <laughs> poor showing in the American League. Clearly, <laughs> I'm just meant to handicap the National League. Apparently. Um, and so the World Series winners, we both noted that we thought the AL was a lot stronger overall, but we both picked NL teams. Now, I picked the Cardinals to win over the Rangers, which I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, you picked the Nationals over the Blue Jays. You were closer, I think. I don't think that's a terrible pick even now to pick the Nationals over the Blue Jays. But that's who you have. No, I mean, the, the Blue Jays were in the ALCS, and you know the Nationals looked good going into the post. You know, picking against the Cubs at this point, to the extent that any one team is ever really a powerhouse in the postseason. I mean, the Cubs are really, really good. Even me picking them to win the division, picking someone else to beat them was sort of grasping for an upset. And yeah, what kind of idiot wouldn't pick them to win the division? <laughs> <laughs> Mine was terrible. You know, the Rangers got in the playoffs. That's all that matters, right? Yes. Do I get even were, like a sliver of a point? They were eight runs better than even on scoring all season. <laughs> they were a power. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so any other general thoughts? I mean, we use this as kind of a way to look back at 2016, I think, instead of just doing like a generic reviewing every little thing. I thought this would be better. Just what are your thoughts on 2016 and what we thought was going in compared to what we got out of it? Um, I mean, for me, without the super, I mean, you know, the National League, sort of like I thought going into the season, like I said, it looked like every team had only one or two real contenders. You know, the Nationals or Mets. The Cubs and Cardinals, the Dodgers and Giants were really the only teams I gave much chance of making the postseason. And I know, you know, the Pirates had been there a lot recently, so I guess if I had to name another team, it would have been them. But to me, the National League really felt like haves and have-nots, and that's really how it played out. Uh, in the American League, sort of like we were talking about, no one stood out quite as much, and so there were a lot more teams kind of in the mix. I think like ten American League teams won you know, like 84 games or more or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. In a, in a lot of ways, I think the season played out more predictably than a lot of seasons, which is a weird thing to say about a season that ended with the Cubs beating the Indians in extra innings in Game 7 of the World Series. But <laughs> Just like you predicted. <laughs> I, but, I mean, just in terms of kind of like the regular season, you know, how each league stood up, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, they're... I don't think we're any massive surprises in terms of team performance. Yeah, I don't think so either. Nobody really came out of nowhere. I'm trying to think, too. I don't have any. Well, and I, I, I guess, mean, frankly, I hope that's how next year plays out because the Indians yeah. ought to be pretty significant favorites in the division, I think. So I certainly hope in the AL Central there's not any huge surprises next year. Yeah, if anything, I had surprises about a couple teams being worse than I thought they would. Like, I thought the Yankees would be better. I obviously thought the Mariners would be better. And even though I didn't pick them to win the division, I thought the Pirates would be better than they were. I thought that would be a really close race, but they fell off really quickly. So, And I guess the Tigers were technically better than I thought, but there was no huge surprises. Yeah. So the next thing, um, after all that exciting 2016 talk, we're back to the bed, the dead hot stove. <laughs> it's like a cold microwave right now. And it could get even worse. 
um, with the CBA coming. It expires December 1st. And if it isn't, um, if there isn't a new one in place, prior to today, it was just kind of hinted at that the clubs would have a lockout so there wouldn't be a winter meetings and all that. But today, Buster only confirmed. Um, yeah, if, if, if there isn't a CBA in place, he didn't say lockout, but he did say the teams won't participate in the winter meetings, which at this point, that's basically a lockout because there's nothing really else. Um, things on the table include like an international draft, um, the uh, World Baseball Classic, the usual luxury tax stuff. And the biggest thing I've heard is that uh, the owners are considering not requiring the loss of a draft pick to sign a com. What do you call that? The compensation pick for a qualifying offer? There you go. For a qualifying offer, yeah. So that's off the table now, apparently. They're willing to undo that in order to get something moving. So if it doesn't happen like the next two days, the offseason is going to get a whole lot worse. But on the bright side... It's in the off season. It's not during the season. It's going to be a lockout, and hopefully it'll be resolved soon. Hopefully before December first. Um, so, what are your thoughts on the lockout? You love it, right? <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't? Uh, well, one thing to note is that them not working out a new collective bargaining agreement before the existing deadline doesn't mean they have to, you know, have a lockout or anything like that. Like they could just continue to negotiate in good faith and the winter meetings could still happen. So only tweeting that if they don't work something out, teams might not do the winter meetings to me seems incredibly foolish. Um, Baseball just had its most exciting and as much as we hate it because the Cubs were such a compelling storyline, compelling world series in years and years. And I feel like baseball right now is, has been talked about, you know, a ton and its popularity is really high. Meanwhile, the NFL, which continues to run into problem after problem, you know, ratings, I think are down like 10% from just a year ago for baseball to take the closest thing it has to a significant off season event and cancel it seems incredibly stupid to me. Like this is the opportunity for people to be talking about baseball in December when you're like as far as possible from actual games, you know, the world series is more than a month behind you. Spring training is two months in the future and to have people talking about baseball. And if you cancel the winter meetings to the extent that people are talking about baseball, it's going to be like, Oh, greedy players, stupid owner. It's going to be all this negative stuff. I, it would, it seems incredibly stupid to me that they would jeopardize that. Uh, If they haven't worked out an agreement yet, just, push through with everything and trust that you will. Uh, But, you know, for owners, the lockout is sort of like their big bargaining chip. And they, you know, sort of, they like the idea of doing that before a lot of big free agents have signed deals and stuff like that. Um, But man, I think it'd be a mistake. Yeah. Everybody talks about the, uh, the world series, like you said, but you you mentioned that the the NFL is kind of at a low point now with all the, the controversies, a bunch of bad games in primetime. I mean, there's not a better time for baseball to kind of like seize a bunch of fans right now, I don't think. So, like you said, a lockout now, even in the offseason, would be pretty bad, I think. Yeah. Especially with, because you have a whole bunch of new fans coming from the World Series, probably, and whether you like it or not, the the winter meetings when all the trade and stuff happens, one of the most exciting times of the baseball year, I think. I mean, I know in all the SB Nation sites, it's like the most popular time of the year, like more than the playoffs, the trade deadline is the winter meetings because people want anything to happen. So if you take that away, that's a lot of fans you're leaving left to like wander to other sports or forget about baseball in the middle of the off season. 
So it's yeah. great that we're not losing games, but it's not. Like you said, perfect. I mean, for fans, you know, at the end of any given season, obviously the team that won the World Series, their fans are happy. And, you know, I think Indians fans are really happy right now. And you probably have two or three other fan bases that are fairly happy right now. And then you've got 25, 26 fan bases that are desperate for how could our team potentially get better. And even though not that much actually comes out of the winter meetings a lot of times and a lot of the deals that do get signed, you know, eventually you'll look back on it and be like, oh, God, I wish my team hadn't signed that guy. But at the time, it feels like hope. And you're, yeah, like canceling that out. And so the winter meetings and the Hall of Fame results are like, in theory, the big things. But the Hall of Fame results are always kind of a bummer now because they just lead to so much arguing about, Yep. You know, should the steroid guys be in and should this and like it's it's in a way it's more like negativity than positivity when the voting results come out. I feel like Hall of Fame weekend during the season is really positive, but the voting is more like arguing and infighting. So I I hope it doesn't come to canceling the, the winter meetings. I guess potentially maybe it's postponing them, but it just seems stupid to me. Yeah. And unless um, so right now, it seems like unless you're Jerry DePoto the fact that there's almost a lockout is causing everybody to slow down and not do enough. Am I just thinking back and remembering the stuff that happened, thinking a lot more happened between the end of the season and December? Cause it feels like there's been absolutely nothing compared to last season, but I've heard other people say that. And I kind of wonder if we're just, yeah, I think it's probably recency just different bias. years are different. I think I mean, a lot of it is. It's also a bad free agency player part. signing makes it feel like a lot is going on. This isn't, this just isn't that big an off season in terms of free agency. Yeah. Like, you know, the top five guys this year do not stand up well to the top five guys from almost any other year. So I think no matter what, it's going to feel like a quiet offseason unless there's just some bonkers trades out there. Um, no, I, I don't I, I don't know how to gauge if, you know, if I haven't felt like things have been unusually quiet so far, but maybe they have. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It seems like they have to me, but maybe not. Because they're having a bunch of signings and trades. It's just not big names, I guess, like we're expecting or used to. So what do you think about some of these individual things? Like the first thing with the uh, qualifying offer, would there even be a reason to offer it anymore? Because if you're not lose, or if you're not getting the draft pick, unless you well, think see, the but, player is worth it. I, I think you can still – the system, you would still gain a draft pick. Oh, nobody would lose the new one. The team just wouldn't lose a draft pick. Which makes a lot more sense, I think. Right. So you'd still get something in exchange for losing one of those players. You just wouldn't have to give up more than the contract to sign one of those players. Yeah, I never got the losing a draft. I always understood gaining a draft pick. I think that's a really good way to do it, where if you can offer them something they don't take, you get a draft pick. But losing a draft pick, who does that help? I don't get why you would punish the team that's signing the player. I don't know. Well, I mean, the main effect it had was to suppress the market for certain players, making them cost less. So on that level, it favors ownership because it right. brings down the total cost of contracts. Which is just bad. I mean, there's no good like good for them, I know. But, yeah, that's the only thing, I think. So I, I think that's a good thing that's going away. I do like the way they do it now compared to before when it was like Comp A and Comp B. And this yeah. is a lot more straight. I like that the teams have control over it now. Like they can pick that they're going to give somebody a qualifying offer now. It, it, one, makes them more interesting, and two, I think it's good to give them more control instead of just whatever random threshold they decide for stats to put them into random piles. Right. So I think that one's fine. Uh, Another potential one, it's probably not like a hinging issue, but there might be a 26 roster spot, which I'm sure that Terry Francona is seeing and just salivating over the thought of another bullpen arm. 
<laughs> Which last year we mocked him for it, but this year, after the playoffs, you do whatever you want to do, Terry. You <laughs> you take that bullpen and you do whatever you want to do with it. I don't care. But uh, do you like that the twenty sixth man in the no? The uh, but I don't know that I have a good reason for not liking it. It might very well just be a. I'm used to 25 players and I don't see any real benefit to changing it. So absent any real benefit, I'd just assume they not change it. I don't know. I mean, potentially it's just more pitching changes. Other people have argued, no, it's more pinch hitters, which prevents pitching changes. Cause you like prevent the other team from bringing a guy in. I don't know how yeah, it would actually apply. It's, it's not going to be a major difference either way. We didn't want the Indians' 25th man last season. We're certainly not going to be excited about their 26th man if they have one. Yeah, for sure. Oh, are, we, are we bringing up Michael Martinez again? Is this happening on the podcast? <laughs> Just speaking more generally, you're the one who insists on bringing him up and making us relive the final out. <laughs> you said 25th man, and like in black and white, his pictures have showed up in my memory. <laughs> they flashed up. But yeah, I don't I don't know why I'd be pinching. It's, it's going to be all bullpen, I think, mostly. Maybe in the NL they'd get another header, but I think the biggest drawback would be the more commercials from all the pitch changes. I don't want any more. I want Terry Francona's method of using relievers for like two innings to be over full. Season. Yeah, I know that can't happen. But once the speed games up, anything that might like, add more pitching changes isn't a good idea, but we'll see. And then the last one, um, well, there's one before. We'll do the international draft, which is something that's really contentious for players. I don't, I mean, I follow it, but I don't know enough to have a real informed opinion about it. I guess it'd be bad for the players because they can't just sign a contract. But at the same time, it's the players now that are preventing like younger international players from getting massive contracts while they can't. So it's kind of weird that they're, def- they're against that, I guess. I don't know. What do you think about the draft? Well, I don't think there should... I mean, uh, this is another... Th- like, I mean, honestly, everything ownership wants is about ownership keeping more money. An international draft means you're not handing out the crazy contracts that some of the international free agents get. And it's not that many of them, but you know, every year or two, there's, you know, whether it's coming in from Cuba or Japan, um, you know, and sometimes other places, uh, it's an international draft would allow them to pay those guys next to nothing the way they can pay American draft picks. Um, and I've seen some people say the, you know, the regular draft should be done away with. I, that feels like too much chaos for me to wrap my head around and be in support of. But I don't think they need to create more drafts for players. Uh, I'm, I think the system should be good as it is. It is a little interesting, like you said, that the, that the union seems to be standing up for it because the people that this really helps aren't union members yet. Um, right. And so it's sort of like they don't really do much for the minor leaguers. I hope this is a sign that at some point they'll try to do more for the minor leaguers too. I doubt that. Because, <laughs> I mean, as, as much as the owners are getting money for themselves, the players want it for themselves. They just want to protect who they can, I think. Because usually isn't it the players' union that wants the lower draft pick money just because they don't want rookies getting paid as much as veterans? Maybe that's something with the NFL. But somewhere, I thought it was they wanted slotted draft. The slotted draft picks is definitely the NFL. But they wanted... Like rookies to not get these massive contracts compared to veterans who couldn't find a deal because their other rookies are getting all this money. So I think it's usually the other way around. Yeah, I'm so sure there's weird. something to that. Although, like in the long run, the more people getting more money, you know, I don't know. It affects some veterans, I'm sure, but 
it's not even to me so much the draft picks. It's the fact that there's minor league baseball players who are making like literally like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars a year to be oh yeah minor league baseball players. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I do wish they would help. It's like, oh, well, you know, it'd screw up the whole system if we had to pay them like a proper wage. No, it wouldn't. You guys are loaded. I, I don't believe for a second that the extra like two million dollars it would take to pay your entire farm system a more reasonable salary is is breaking any team's bank. Yeah, like some of my favorite uh, baseball books are about like minor leaguers that didn't quite make it to the majors. So it's just all about their journey in the minors and like. The stuff they have to do is crazy. I mean, they stay in other people's houses. They barely eat any food because they can't afford anything. It's That's a whole other conversation. But I wish the MLBPA would cover the minor leaguers more, but I don't think they will. I think as much as the owners are concerned about themselves, the MLBPA is concerned about themselves and not the minor leaguers. Because at that point, they're not producing for the MLBPA either. So they're just kind of in the middle, and nobody's going to do a whole lot to protect them, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that changes, but right now and so far, that's certainly been the case. And the last thing, which I have, I don't care, <laughs> it's the World Baseball Classic. I just don't want Indians, Indians players in it, especially, like, pitchers. That's my only opinion on it. If it happened without the Indians in it, I'd be okay, but I don't, I've never really followed it all that closely. Um, I guess that might be going away just due to money. So what are your thoughts on that one? I like it. It's more baseball where it feels like the players are actually trying hard. Uh, To some extent, I feel like it's just spring training for those guys. You know, it mostly happens during spring training. Um, You know, so I hear what you're saying in terms of the pitchers. They're more likely to throw, uh, you know, closer to max effort for more pitches than they otherwise would. Um, But it doesn't really feel like extra baseball on top of spring training. It's just like an alternate spring training that they happen to care more about. Um, So I'd like to keep it. At the same time, the players, and I'd never given this any thought, but apparently, you know, they're not paid anything. Um, And while, you know, there's something to be said for you're representing your country and all that, again, that's sort of just an excuse for someone who is making a lot of money off of it to keep more of that money for themselves. I don't know exactly who's making money off of it, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think the players should be getting like a million dollars for playing it or anything. Just something. But, yeah. So I don't know. I, I hope they work it out. I won't be devastated if they don't, you know, I don't like sit around for three years waiting for the next one. <laughs> um, but I enjoy it. So I hope they find a way to keep it going and then hope they find a way to not let any Indians pitch in it. I don't care what they have to do. Just don't let them throw a ball for anybody but the Indians. Even if it is as spring training, I would rather have the team controlling what they do than just like a different country or even the USA coaches. Yeah, but again, I think there's – I'm sure there's still a huge amount of input, and it's really only a few pitchers that it applies to. It's not like there's something you can do to your shortstop that's – you know, they're not, like, playing the game with alligators on the field or anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that would drive up some revenue. I'd watch that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the CBA, I hope it gets done. It'll suck if it doesn't. It's not the end of the world. It's still pretty bad. Um, so, it, whether that happens or not, hopefully, I can't. I don't think they can lock out the Hall of Fame. So, that's going to be happening next month. The uh, ballot was just revealed uh, earlier this month. The notables on it, of course, Manny Ramirez, he's on it for the first time. Yvonne Rodriguez and Sammy Sosa. Is this Pudge's first time? Yeah. I wrote that down, I think so. Okay, it is his and Sammy Sosa. 
It's not his, but Vlad Guerrero is his first. Well, she better get in. Um, and Tim Raines, he's in danger of being taken off if he doesn't get the 75%. This is his last chance before the Veterans Committee would have to get him on, and who knows what kind of horrible things Jonah Carey would do if he doesn't get on there. So I hope it happens. One for Tim Raines, two for Jonah Carey. Um, what are your thoughts on the ballot? The whole steroids thing. That's the only thing that comes up anymore with Hall of Fame ballots is, do you put the steroid guys on there or do you not? I definitely do, with, without any hesitancy. Uh, so to me, the ballot is still overcrowded. There's still... I think I looked at it, and there are 11 guys I would vote for if I could. And if I had a ballot, I'd be limited to 10 of them. So I'd have to pick someone who I thought deserved it to leave off my ballot. Um, I mean, I think, you know, if I had to prioritize voting, um, Reigns and Jeff Bagwell would be at the top of my list. Just Reigns especially because it's his last year. Bagwell, because it's completely ridiculous that he's not in the Hall of Fame. And this is his seventh year. Um, so the two of them, just because to push them over the top, they're so close. Um, Manny Ramirez, I would vote for just, I don't think he's in real danger of falling off the ballot, but all the performance, you know, his steroid stuff, he's going to come nowhere close to 75% in any of his 10 years, but I don't want to see him fall off the ballot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't quite decided which of the 11 I'd leave off. Uh, but it's a crowded ballot. There's a lot of really, really good players. And for me, it's frustrating because at this point, we're in the thick of guys I grew up watching. And to Mm -hmm. me, a baseball Hall of Fame that doesn't have half the great players I grew up watching is a Hall of Fame that I don't take that seriously. Right, definitely. Even if it's not the steroid players, at least like Edgar Martinez as a player, he was really good, but he's happened to be a DH I would put him in immediately. And Tim Raines, of course, as well. But with the steroid thing, I've never put it to words in my head. But the way I've always thought about it is the way that Ryan mentioned in a, in a post we'll talk about in a minute. But he said, I think most people that have a rational look way of looking at steroids think this way. It was, um, if they were, if they're really good and they had steroids, they're probably still going to be really good. But if, um, oh man, what was it? Like if it's on the edge, if they were almost a Hall of Famer and they took steroids, then probably say no. But if they were like Barry Bonds and they're obviously a Hall of Famer, the steroids probably didn't do a whole lot. A lot of bad players have taken steroids and still been bad, and a lot of great ones have taken them and still been great. Yeah, but, like, his that, exact like, example was Sammy Sosa. Like he's going to leave him off because he's borderline, but he took steroids, so go with the no. And I can I, that argument completely makes sense to me that it's sort of like you know. Whatever the difference in your head between a guy getting it and not getting it, if it's close. But, like, Bonds and Clemens, they could have retired before they ever took anything, that there's any rumor that they took. You know, the earliest point anyone really thinks they took anything. If they had just retired that day instead, they would have been first ballot Hall of Famers. And the idea that steroids are what made them a hall of famer is ridiculous. And so then it's just like a moral, someone who did that shouldn't be allowed in the hall of fame, which is dumb, but, but the hall of fame doesn't exist like that. There's all sorts of guys who did all sorts of things on and off the field that to me, you're like, it just gets too, it's like, it's convoluted and you're just cherry picking. And David Ortiz is going to get into the hall of fame. People are going to decide for whatever reasons that, his steroid connections aren't as serious and don't matter as much and he'll get in. And it's just like, there's, if, if you just 
don't worry about that stuff and just vote the guy based on his performance, then there's no like mental jujitsu you were trying to do to justify why one guy yes and another guy no. Right. It's it's the same as like the MVP kind of debate. Just do the one that makes sense. Don't try to make it more complicated than it is. Yeah. Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. He should be. We'll see. I think Bagwell will get in. I think yeah. Reigns will get in. I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Hoffman got in. I mean, most pretty much once you get up to like two thirds of the vote, you pretty much always get up to three fourths at some point. Yeah, uh, I heard like people in the high sixties. I don't. I think it might have been nobody. If you make it to that point, like you always get in at this point. If a player has ever had in the in the high sixties, he gets in eventually. Like it's never not happened. And you know, two or three guys would be a pretty decent class. I wouldn't vote for Hoffman, but. It doesn't bother me that much when guys I wouldn't vote for get in. It bothers me more when guys I think should be in don't yeah. get in. Um, we'll see. I don't think any of the new guys are going to get in. I, I think Manny's going to be nowhere close because of the PD stuff. Yvonne Rodriguez had his own connections. Not as serious, but it'll be enough to keep him from getting 75%. Vladimir Guerrero, I think, is just a legitimate argument. Uh, you know, I think I'd vote for him, but I think you can make a case that his numbers are just a little short. So I don't think he's going to get there. And there's no one else who's going to be, you know, anywhere close. Jorge Posada is probably the next biggest guy, but I don't think he's going to get more than like 10%, if that. What about Kurt Schilling? He's just stuck. I mean, like a lot of those guys, Schilling, Clemens, Bonds, Mucina, Edgar, all of those guys, I think, have the numbers to be in but none of their percentages are moving all that much. And Schilling, if anything, without getting too far into the political aspects of it, his comments about journalists and being, in, you know, he posted something about being basically in favor of, like, hanging journalists. Yeah. I'm sure will cost him at least a couple votes. He's not going anywhere this year. Yeah. But, yeah, um, so kind of, well, it is related. Uh, let's go try. We're doing, like, a community vote. Uh, where you can submit your own ballots and pick who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, going into this, I thought that we have a pretty smart user base. And I still think we do. It's not like I don't anymore. But I can kind of see how hard it is for, like, so many people to pick the right people to get into the Hall of Fame. Because so far, we have 64 responses. And the only ones that would be in the Hall of Fame with 75% vote are Manny Ramirez and Tim Raines. Nobody else would get in so far. (laughs) Which Which Manny Ramirez. Let's go drive voters aren't any smarter than anyone else who's voting for it because the fact that Jeff Bagwell's not getting it is ludicrous. And I think Manny Ramirez should be in despite his steroid stuff. How you can possibly not put Barry Bonds in is, is also completely ludicrous. So, so a couple interesting ones, Uh, like I said, we have 64 responses. Um, Bagwell is 70%. Bonds is 68. Uh, Roger Clemens is 71. Clemens is the closest yeah, he's the closest that's not in. Uh, you mentioned Hoffman. Um, our community vote has him at 42%. What was another one I was going to talk about? Um, yeah, Schilling, I was surprised he was at 46 I thought just because people are voting based on not liking him, which <laughs> I agree with, but I thought he'd be a little lower. Um, and Edgar Martinez, I thought he would be higher with people that pay attention to that kind of thing. He's only at 62.5. And Guerrero is at 59%. So... You can kind of see how even when you get a bunch of smart people to vote, it doesn't always happen because just a few ballots not doing it takes them down quite a bit. 
it's really hard to get enough people to make the quote unquote right decision. I think it shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> it is though, and I can see Manny getting in because people are going to vote for him because he's Cleveland. But Tim Raines, I just hope he gets in. But even with this, he barely makes it in at seventy five percent. So anyway, I'll have that link um, when we do the whole post for the the podcast. You can go there and cast your ballot, and see how many more we get. You better make the right decision, or Jason will find you <laughs> and yell at you. You don't want that. <laughs> so the last thing for today, as always, uh, we're going to do social media questions. I know we're live right now on Facebook, which I don't think I mentioned yet on the podcast. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But for now, we're just doing the ones that were pre-submitted. In the future, we might make this a segment where we really go and talk to people in the comments and that whole thing. But for now, we're going to do the ones that people already submitted. You can always do it through Twitter and Facebook. I usually ask in the morning on Mondays when we record to get the questions. We usually get a bunch of good ones. We got a bunch today. Um, so, yeah. First one comes from at the focused on Twitter. He wants to know uh, the most likely current rostered player the front office will regret not selling high on. So if they don't trade anybody now, who are they going to regret not trading? I guess he's, right, he's so saying when the window closes. Who... Who would you say if they traded them now, they'd be trading, they'd be selling high? Andrew Miller. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I, Corey, okay, Andrew Miller, Corey Kluber, Francisco uh, I mean, Lindor. Lindor uh, I, I think those are getting the ones you obviously don't trade, though. I think Miller's one no, I that... Know, but I mean, like, oh. At some point, one of us is going to say someone that I don't know that they've... Not, I mean, I just want to establish who counts as selling high. Is Danny Salazar oh. selling high because he was an all-star this year? Or is he selling low because he was injured near the end of the year? Like, I think he's low because he's still inconsistent. Not the injury. I mean, he's really good in the first half, but I still don't think that's selling high either way. I guess you'd draw that line probably at Lindor and Kluber and Miller, and I wouldn't throw Kipnis in there. Well, do you throw Kipnis in there? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, who yeah. are the candidates that we can say they could plausibly trade who are selling high? Andrew Miller, definitely. But I don't know who else falls into that category. And I don't think they're going to regret not trading Miller. So I can't I can't pick a player if Miller's the only <laughs> guy we can identify. Yeah, I think, well, I think the answer is Miller. That's the one I would say. If they, if the window slams shut, like, after this year, and they wish they would have sold somebody now before finishing, like, with a below 500 record, I think it'd be Miller. Because there's no way you get more for him than right now. I don't want him to trade him. I'll make that clear. <laughs> they better not trade him. But if they were going to regret somebody in the future, I think it'd be Miller. Because obviously they're not going to regret not trading Francisco Lindor right now or Corey Kluber. And those like well, the I mean, Kluber, like any pitcher could get hurt, and then you'd regret yeah. not being traded him when you could have gotten. I don't know. There's not anyone I'm. I there's not anyone I feel like would be selling high right now that I have any real concerns about the guys I feel like they should maybe sell medium for if they, if someone views Danny Salazar as an all-star and is willing to trade accordingly, I think they should trade Danny Salazar. Yeah. And then they won't regret it. So yeah, that's, it's, it's a hard one to answer. It's hard to know until we see everything that happens, I think. Uh, so the next one at Hiram Boyd on Twitter wants to know uh, Dave Valley, I'm not sure who that is, said the Indians need to improve the four and five spots in the rotation. Do you agree with this? Uh, Dave Valley is a former Major League Baseball player. I can picture his Seattle Mariners 1980-something <laughs> tops card. I have no idea. I would guess maybe he worked for MLB Network, but I'm not certain. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I do not agree with this. Uh, the Indians' four and five starters 
one way or the other are Josh Tomlin and Trevor Bauer. Uh, and those are better than other teams, four and five starters. Now I, you could argue that, you know, Danny Salazar, as I just did argue is someone there's reason to be nervous about, and maybe they're going to need a new fifth starter to replace an injured pitcher. But the Indians have better pitching than almost every team. And the Indians minor league depth is not significantly different than other teams. I don't think I, if the Indians are going to upgrade somewhere this offseason, the starting rotation to me is not where it makes sense to upgrade. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it'd be nice to, but they're not going to, because it's not the main focus. And even it's just like last year too. If they don't, uh, it's more than just Tomlin and Bauer. They also have Clevenger, Merritt and Anderson. And That's all what I mean. the players like their minor order. league depth isn't bad. Right. So there's no reason. I don't think you have three potentially amazing pitchers. Your four and five are fine. That's all you need. I think we're kind of spoiled with what we expect out of a four and five pitcher at this point with how good the Indians rotation has been lately. Bauer and Tomlin are perfectly servable. It, for it It's obviously not what we wanted for Bauer. Every year I go through and like show what a normal fourth and fifth starter <laughs> is. And people are like, thanks. This is really helpful. And then 12 months later, people are like, <laughs> Our four and five starters are terrible again. <laughs> How does this keep happening? Uh, so next one, uh, Paul Robert Baltzer on Facebook. He wants to know any tangible trade chatter for an outfielder, first baseman targets for free agent pitching too. I mean, as far as actual chatter, no, because the Indians are always tight lipped about everything anyway, and nothing's really happening. <laughs> but as far as first base, um, somebody, here we go. Use Facebook. This would be nice. So Dustin Murphy in the comments on Facebook, he said, Chris Carter is an option for first now because the Brewers didn't um, take him to arbitration. So he's a first baseman option now. Uh, we've already talked about there's like Napoli and Matt Halliday would be a good one, I think. He's the main one I want. Um, but as far as like official chatter, no. I haven't heard a single thing. And I think no, what, I what they're going to do with pitchers is what they did last year is just grab a bunch and throw them at a wall and somebody's going to be good and be a Dan Otero. Yeah, I, the only, I mean, I've heard other teams with some interest in Napoli, so it feels more likely someone else will sign him to a deal the Indians don't want to pay, but no, I haven't really heard anything about the Indians, about anyone. I haven't heard, yeah, a whole lot of rumors from anybody, really. Um, next one, last one would actually be, uh, Anthony Calvaruso on Facebook wants to know, should Trevor Bauer be moved to the setup role in the bullpen and follow up? What could we get for Shaw? So a bunch of the questions on Facebook were basically, how do we get rid of Shaw? It's a common theme now. Everybody wants to get rid of Shaw. Even before what happened in the World Series, which I don't think that one was all his fault. But they're not going to get rid of Shaw. He's fine. <laughs> Even though I'm a little worried, more worried than I think some people are about him. But they're not going to get rid of him. He's a fine setup pitcher. Trevor Bauer is going to be a starter. And Brian Shaw's not the second – he's the third reliever now anyway. He's right. better than most teams' third relievers. Terry Francona clearly loves him. And he doesn't have any real trade value. No. He, you he's know, just in arbitration, he's going to get something like $4 million this year, which isn't a lot. But you know, it's not like a team's going to give up one of its top five prospects to get Brian Shaw. There's Brian Shaw's not going anywhere, and Trevor Bauer – does not belong in the bullpen. I don't think I, you know, I, I realize there's the argument that he could, if he knew he was just pitching one inning or whatever, his approach could be different. Uh, but that doesn't know. work for everybody. 
I, I don't want Trevor. I mean, I am not as high as some people are on Trevor Bauer as a starting pitcher. I'm fine with him as a back of the rotation guy. I just defended him in that role, and I think he's fine there. Um, I don't view him as someone who might develop into a one or a two still. Uh, he's fine to me in the role he's in. I'm glad he cut his walks back down. Uh, you know, his, his, his home runs were down this year too. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with the season he had. He does not strike me as a master setup, man. No, he's four and five. Danny, if I were going to move a starter to the bullpen, it would be Danny Salazar. Cause I think Danny Salazar's arm's going to fly off at some point if they try to have him throw 180 innings. Um, yeah. and I think he is someone who has the kind of stuff that might play really well for one inning at a time. So if I were going to move someone, it would be him. Yeah, that's basically what I think too. I don't, everybody talks about how good the reliever market is now, but it's a market for great relievers and Brian Shaw is just above average to pretty good. There's not a big market for relievers like him. Everybody has a reliever like Brian Shaw, even if they aren't quite as good. So you're not going to get a huge haul for him. And no, they're not going to get rid of him for everybody always, always asking. <laughs> so um, that's pretty much it. Anything exciting coming up for you this week? In this dead baseball zone? No, I've got report cards due next week. So that's most of what I have going on. The next 10 days or so is a mountain of grading. Oh, boy. The post-Thanksgiving. Have at least... Have the kids stopped teasing you now, Jason? About yeah, the, they, the teasing didn't last very long. They were... They didn't, they didn't get the response from me they were probably hoping <laughs> for. So I just sort of ignored it and it went away, which is a good way to deal with a lot of things that fourth graders do. That's good. I'm trying to think of what else coming up at all. I mean, I saw Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. That was all I did interesting over Thanksgiving. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I didn't really like it. I, didn't either. <laughs> I, I really liked Harry Potter, but I didn't like that one too much. Yeah, I don't Nothing know. The, whole, the Fantastic Beasts were pretty inconsequential to what, well, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't no, seen right. it, in, really wants to see i don't know i waited this long it's been out for a couple weeks already but yeah it i enjoy the harry potter movies i don't love them but i enjoy them and i i don't think i'll ever watch fantastic beasts again no absolutely not uh the, the one i wanted to see was arrival which i was kind of on the fence about before mainly because the two leads um hawkeye and girl from wedding crashers i don't know their names but <laughs> i thought they're really bland for like a a big sci-fi movie, but apparently it's a great movie and I want to see it now. That and Moana. Those are the two I want to see, but I haven't had a chance yet. Um, I just want to point out, I'm not sure. I haven't seen Wedding Crashers for a while, so I can't think of the name of who you're thinking of, but the person who's in The Arrival is not in Wedding Crashers. It's a different redhead. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. The, the redhead person. in The Arrival is, is Amy Adams, who's been nominated for like six Oscars. No, the, definitely. The redhead in Wedding Crashers is married to Borat and has been nominated for zero Oscars. No. We're going to look this up right now. Nope, I got the arrival of Charlie Sheen in 1996. Hold on, IMDb. <laughs> Chill out for a minute. So while I'm looking, are there any others that you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Rogue One, but we can talk about that in like full <laughs> detail when it gets even closer. I don't want to throw that on for the last minute. I'm waiting for you to realize you're wrong about Amy no, Adams. If it is, no, I'm, oh, it's the wedding date. Hold on. Who is it then? It is Amy Adams, but I thought she was in the wedding crashers. 
No, that's Borat's wife. I can't. I don't know her name. I don't even know Borat's wife. <laughs> yes, uh, not Rachel McAdams, right? Oh, was it no, Isla? No, oh, it's no, Isla Fisher. Okay. Yeah. Wow, this is the same person. Well, that's okay. nice. Well, I guess that was one thing you're right about that I was wrong about on this podcast. Unlike every single one of our predictions. Well, for people who are listening and looking for a movie to see, if you see one or the other, see The Arrival. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, I want to see it. Um, I'm sure it's way better than Fantastic Beasts. I don't like it. It is. So that's all. Um, I think the live stream went well. It's still up and going, and it hasn't crashed. That's good. So we'll be doing that again next week, I think. Uh, But for everybody else, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.